Hello and welcome to InsureTech Briefly, a quick legal review involving innovations in the insurance space. My name is Scott Gala, and I'm an attorney at the law firm of Clark Hill. I'm joined today by my colleague, Robert Tomlinson, who's a partner at the firm. Hello, Scott. Hi, Robert. So football season is fast approaching, and with that will inevitably come the blitz of advertising from insurers that involve NFL quarterbacks. Notably, one insurer shows commercials that open with Patrick Mahomes thanking his agent for the Patrick price, or with Aaron Rodgers thanking his agent for the Rodgers rate. The insurance agent then goes on to dispel the notion of any sort of special treatment and assures the audience that there's no Rodgers rate and that the insurer offers everyone surprisingly great rates. So, Robert, my question to you is, why isn't there a Rodgers rate? Well, I've seen those uh, commercials, and the agent is right to dispel the notion of a Rogers rate or a Patrick Price. Remember, we're talking about admitted consumer products, auto, home, uh, life insurance. Um, when you have those products, insurers file the product and a description of the product along with the rate to each insurance department where it sells those products. Those filings require that the insurer sell each policy at a certain price, admittedly with some variance from policyholder to policyholder. That variance is measured by risk. It's not measured by fame. It's not measured by the familiarity or closeness to the uh, closeness to the agent, the producer, or the carrier. So while Lloyd's of London can write a special but actuarially sound life insurance policy for, say, Aaron Rodgers, it can be a bespoke insurance policy. Uh, State Farm has no ability to either give Rogers a discount on his homeowners uh, or on his life insurance policy. Any return of premium or a provision of anything of value that deviates from what was filed with the state is considered a rebate. That's barred in most jurisdictions. Um, Rebating can take the form of cash incentives, promotional items, and of course, uh, as you have with a bank, your proverbial toaster. Well, it seems like rebating, although it's prohibited in a lot of jurisdictions, would be a good thing for the consumer. Um, Could you talk about anti-rebating regulations and and why they've come about in the first instance? Sure. There, you know, anti-rebating statutes go back about 100 years, so these are antiquated in some ways. Uh, The purpose is good and probably still serves this exact same function that it did 100 years ago, and that is insolvency. Um, 100 years ago, there were some very serious problems with life insurers offering large rebates rebates to customers in order to drive sales. Um, This led to insolvency concerns, and it also raised issues of discrimination, where you have similarly priced risks, but you have people purchasing these same products at a different price because they know the agent, they know the producer, or they're getting some other, something else of value. What's the focus of the enforcement of anti-rebating regulations today? And I guess looking at it another way, you know, where can an insurer offer cash back or similar benefits to insureds? Um, regulations against rebating are typically aimed at agents and producers, MGAs. Uh, a lot of folks that are in the insured tech space today come under those headings. Um, and it's those who attempt to induce a customer to buy a policy by promising monetary or some other type of compensation. Um, Now, insurance companies provide or or engage in rebating in a nominal sense all the time, right? Uh, There's cashback rewards uh, that can be provided as part of a policy. Uh, Mutuals make cashback returns, and you have insurers who credit uh, accident-free policyholders. 
That would be considered rebating if it weren't part of the policies. But in each of those instances, they are part of the policy and are therefore permitted. What we're discussing is rebating that's barred by the regulations. For example, if you're an agent and you sell a $10 million universal life policy, commission might be 100 or 110% of first year's premium. The agent is therefore looking at 200, 300, even $400,000 in commission, depending on the age and the health of the insured. A commission that size is, um, it makes commission sharing easier and really quite desirable. Um, and it might entice an agent to offer cash back to the policyholder as a means of closing on that policy. I've seen it happen and it's not permitted in any state and the agent can lose his license and the insurance policy can be avoided. What about some of the newer policies like, uh, you know, a homeowner's insurer offering water sensors, uh, you know, for, for someone's basement or other types of benefits that may relate in some way to the risk? Uh, yeah, I've seen those. Um, you have MassMutual who offers Fitbits and smartwatches. I think Hippo advertises water sensors. Um, a lot of these things make sense, right? You're, you're using certain products to mitigate the risk that you're insuring against. And so it makes, again, perfectly good sense. Um, in those instances, though, what you have is, again, the products are built into the policy itself. And so, in a sense, the policyholder through premium is paying for everything they're getting, not only the contract, but all of the gadgets, the sensors, the Fitbit, the smart Apple watches, whatever it is that's coming with the policy, in some sense, and it might be nominal, they're actually paying for that. Um, now, it seems inconceivable that uh, someone would buy a homeowner's uh, insurance policy simply because a carrier was offering a water sensor. But you could see how a smartwatch or a Fitbit might be attractive to somebody who's buying a disability or a, or a life insurance policy. Well, we hope to uh, induce all of you to join us for part two on rebating, which will come out next week. If you think you may benefit from hearing about InsureTech and insurance regulations five minutes at a time, please follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is intended for general education and informational purposes only and should not be regarded as either legal advice or a legal opinion. You should not act upon or use this publication or any of its contents for any specific situation. Recipients are cautioned to obtain legal advice from their legal counsel with respect to any decision or course of action contemplated in a specific situation. Clark Hill PLC and its attorneys provide legal advice only after establishing an attorney-client relationship through a written attorney-client engagement agreement. This recording does not establish an attorney-client relationship with any recipient.